Hola, everyone. Come on in, come on in, grab a seat, make yourself comfortable. Welcome to another episode of the Internet Movie Firearms Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gary. Um, do I have what I hope is a pretty fun episode for you today? Um, and I want to thank my my one viewer out there. goes by the screen name of uh, Gary's Mom, XOXO. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Uh, for everyone else new here, my name's Dr. Gary, and I am the hostess with the mostess. Um, firearms enthusiast and movie enthusiast, like I said all the time, not an expert, and all this stuff is my opinion and my opinion alone. So for today's episode, it's kind of racking my brain about what movie I wanted to, to chat about with firearms recently, and, and there's some big heavy hitters that I've been thinking about from Jurassic Park to all the zombie movies Terminator, Rambo and I decided I want to hold off on those a little bit I want to kind of go low budget with this one and I'm talking about the 2013 movie The Purge now when I say low budget I'm talking a budget of 3 million dollars for this bad boy and it grossed a total of looks like 90 million dollars so Low budget with a big bang, and that's kind of what I'm hoping for this episode of the podcast. Um, as always, this is a movie podcast dealing with firearms, so I'm going to break it down into three acts. First act, movie review, talking about the movie, plot, fun trivia that I, you know, go off the top of my head with. Act two, talking about the guns that they use in the movies, how they use the guns in the movies, issues with the guns in the movie. And act three, my favorite, as always what I would do with the guns in the movies, what guns I would pick if I was in the movie, what guns I would pick if I could have a time machine to go back into the movie, what would I bring with me um, based on the lore and the plot of the movie in its universe. So, let's get down to it. Purge 2013. <sighs> Supposed to be a dystopian action horror movie in a near future. Um, the universe that it takes place in, kind of what happened is was the new founding fathers got elected and decided that they were going to have what they call the Purge event. So, every year, um, for 24 hours, I think it's 24 hours, maybe 12 hours, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, um, all crime, oh, I'm just looking at it right here, 12 hours, I'm an idiot. For 12 hours, all crime is legal. Murder... Um, theft, arson, all that stuff, and what that hap what that creates is all the unwanted people are murdered. Um, all the rich people are murdered, and unemployment hits an all time low because they purge once a year to get rid of all the trim the fat, as they say. Um, now in the movie they mostly focus on murder and and theft. No one really talks about some of the gritty, gruesome crimes because that wouldn't be a fun movie to watch unless you're a, a sadist um so realistically we're talking mobs of people playing a game with murder every year so that's the universe that takes place and uh, the movie the first one is based around a family a wealthy family and um the dad of the family ethan hawk is a security system salesman and I guess there's some low-key resentments amongst his neighbors as he has this nice rich house with this awesome security system because uh, allegedly he took advantage of them by selling them security systems and um, 
you know, they don't want to participate in the purge, but they respect the purge. And so they're up in their rich neighborhood. And what kind of happens is, is a couple events unfold and he has two angsty teenage kids and, um, you know, just like all angsty teenagers in movies, they kind of drive the plot and the mechanism of the plot for things to happen. What happens is, is a bunch of purgers outside of the house are chasing a homeless guy. I, th I think he's homeless. Um, the teenage son lets him into the house, and then now those purgers are, are trying to break into the house to get the homeless guy. So they can purge. They can be patriotic. Um, there's a lot of political undertones in the movie. Um, I don't know. Depending on if, you're, if your guy wears a red tie, then obviously you think, oh, this movie shows the evil in the blue tie people. And if you're a blue tie person, it's, oh, look at those red tie people. Um, you can spin it however you want to with a movie like this, because it really does just show the worst of humanity, or at least it's supposed to. Overall, in theory, I like the idea of the movie. Um, it, that dystopian future that it could happen... But whenever you watch it, it kind of just makes me think it's marketed towards teenagers because there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of very immature immature philosophies that act like they're very profound. Maybe I'm overthinking it because, um, again, this is kind of a, a lowbrow movie, but I think it acts like it's something more than what it is, where it's just, it's gratuitous gore, but I think it tries to portray itself as, as high and mighty. I don't know, maybe I'm looking at it cynically. Um, overall, I still like the movie a lot, and I, uh, most people did, because again, $3 million budget, it grossed $90 million, and it sounds like the whole franchise um, grossed over $450 million with a total budget of $35 million. Um, a couple sequels, I think there's a TV show now, which I haven't seen. Uh, but the, the movies are The Purge in 2013, quickly after they made The Purge Anarchy in 2014, Purge Election Year 2016, hmm, weird, 2016, Purge Election Year, uh, they're not hiding anything there, uh, then The First Purge in 2018, and then Forever Purge coming out in 2021, allegedly, but with COVID, who knows if, if that's going to be on track or not. Um, I've seen all of them. I think I like the, the first Purge the best. It's the most simple. I don't think it tries to be too much of anything. Maybe a little bit preachy. But Purge Anarchy and Election Year and the first Purge get real kind of like political. But not so political where... Um, it's like if you get your news from Facebook and TikTok, that's the kind of people who are going to be like, yes, my politics are formed from the Purge. Um... If you turn your brain off, I think they're they're decent enough. The, the imagery that they use and filming they use is pretty cool. Um, again, I still feel like it's marketed towards teenagers and like being a little edgy and I don't know. Again, I'm I'm a cynic on it. So if, if we're talking about the first purge, definitely if you can see it for free on a streaming service, watch it. If you can rent it for cheap, like ninety nine cents, dollar ninety nine, sure, go for it. I wouldn't buy it realistically all these movies are something that they don't have a good rewatch quality you'll watch it once and be like okay i, I saw it neat um maybe it'll be like oh honey let's get together every halloween and watch the purge you may enjoy it then um but yeah as far as like re-watching it constantly like oh it's friday night again let's watch this movie not gonna happen so if i had to give it a grade i'm giving it just a regular b you know, it's above average because it came up with a relatively new concept. 
the filming is cool, the action's kind of cool, the acting is fair, um, but when it comes to, again, I think it tries to be something with that it's not, it starts to knock it down a little bit. Um, let's talk about the, the first Purge and focus on that. Um, so it stars Ethan Hawke, which I'm a big fan of Ethan Hawke from um, definitely Training Day is what I saw him in first. I think he, he was in Assault on Precinct 13 too, so he did, I think Anthony uh, Fuqua did those. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably messing that up. Um, and then he was again in another one of his movies. Um, oh, what's the Western with Chris Pratt and Denzel? I feel like an idiot that I can't remember what it is. Oh, Magnificent Seven. He's in that. I, I think he's a great actor. He's been doing some more low-budget stuff recently, but that's cool. Uh, his wife in the movies, uh, Lena Headey, famous for the wife of three of uh, Leonidas in 300. I can't remember her name in that. And then playing the infamous Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. So she likes to be in movies where she gets naked a lot and plays with a sword. Um, that sounded worse than I thought it was going to. And then a couple no-name people, at least no-name to me, because they're not really in action movies, which is my thing. So, um, yeah, really you're talking about Ethan Hawke is the main guy. I'll refer to him as Ethan Hawke the whole time, because I don't even know what his name is in the movie, because there's no character development. Um, the other sequels, Frank Grillo comes into it, I think just in the last two. I like Frank Grillo. Pretty good action action movie guy. He's in some of the Avengers stuff. Um the Gray Warrior, where he, um, he, he coaches Tom Hardy's brother in that. Um, so overall, the, the series, not heavy hitters on actors, but they're kind of low budget, so they, they pick people that are, are good enough for it. So again, I give it a B. Rent it, stream it, I probably wouldn't buy it. So let's get into Act 2 here. And sorry, I'm clicking my mouse a little bit. Let's talk about the guns that are in the movie. So, most of the guns that are listed on the internet pages for this movie are kind of in the background. Um, there's two, what I can remember, it's been a little bit since I've seen the movie, but the, what I can remember in the movie, the two hero guns, um, I'll focus on those first, I guess. The Taurus Raging Bull that Ethan Hawke uses... And then the Mossberg, <laughs> the Mossberg 590 chainsaw that Ethan Hawke also uses. I'll be honest, I've seen the Mossberg 590 chainsaw, and I have never wanted that that shotgun ever in my life until I saw this movie because Ethan Hawke is a stud <laughs> with the chainsaw shotgun, completely movie magic only. Um, it's absurd. I actually just looked it up, and it's it's still on Mossberg's website, so I guess if you really wanted one, you can probably still get one from them. Um, glorious 1980s hip firing with that. Um, it's a pump-action shotgun made by Mossberg, and it has this chainsaw grip on it, and it looks like it, it has a pistol grip, so it's meant to be fired from the hip, and then whenever you pump it, you're, you have this chainsaw perpendicular grip up on top of it that you're racking the, the, the slide with. Um... I cannot see that being practical. I've never actually handled one. I've seen them, seen them in person at gun stores, like on the wall. But yeah, pretty awesome, <laughs> pretty awesome toy. <sighs> Not good in real life. Taurus Raging Bull. Um, 
big, big bore Taurus revolver. You can pretty much tell it's a Taurus because um, they like to port their barrels, which I think is kind of cool for a for budget revolver. I mean, whenever you're comparing a Taurus revolver to, say, something like a Ruger or a Smith & Wesson, obviously it's not going to have the same quality reputation that they will. Some people love them. Some people have problems with them. I've never owned one. I've shot them, and they, they seem kind of like Smith & Wesson knockoffs to me, so I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, but again, that's going to be up for debate from a lot of people. So the Raging Bull series is supposed to be one of the better Taurus revolvers. And again, you can tell it's a Taurus Raging Bull series, and they have the Taurus Tracker series too. I think has the same feature set. Ported barrels, which is cool. Um, to open the cylinder, they have a thumb cylinder latch and then they have one that's in front of this so they have one in front and behind so it's like a double locking cylinder uh, to make it a little bit beefier uh for for the big rounds because it uses 44 mag i think 454 casol i think there's a 454 casol 45 colt 410 combo kind of like the judge where you can shoot shotgun rounds out of it um i almost bought one of those whenever i was in college i'm so glad i didn't because it was absurd and it weighed like 10 pounds might as well buy a rifle at that point um, and another reason that you can tell that it's a, it's a Taurus is it has their red grip. So they have the, like this gel grip on the back for the, the big round supposed to absorb some of the recoil. Again, I've never shot one, so I don't know if it works. I assume it, it wouldn't hurt. Um, now if you're somebody like Ethan Hawke's character who has a mega mansion and all these bajillions of dollars... I would assume he wouldn't be buying a Taurus revolver, but maybe they got some money for product placement. I don't know. So those realistically are the, probably the two hero guns in the movie. Um, the 454 snub-nosed revolver, which would pack a wallop. Um, not bad way to drop somebody in one shot or kill a bear in one shot if you had to, but, you know, go big or go home. And the, the 590 <laughs> chainsaw shotgun from Mossberg. Um, but let's run through some of these other guns that are in the movie. Because the movie kind of takes place in the near future, mostly modern-ish guns, that stuff that you're going to see that were popular in, in 2013, a lot of them are kind of in the background. The main characters won't use a lot of them. So I'm just going to kind of run through and not really try to organize them in any way. Um, there's a Makarov in it um, that the, the one angsty teenage um boyfriend uses in it where he sneaks into the house because you know hashtag teenage angst uh the macros are pretty cool a little blowback um russian eastern block sidearm uh shoots i think it came chambered in 380 so which is like a 9 by 17 millimeter so a little bit less than your typical 9 millimeter and what it is famous for is the 9 by 18 makarov round um so Weaker-ish 9mm wouldn't be terrible for, um, again, as a sidearm. It's not a massive gun. It's, you know, a uh, little service gun can kill a human, obviously. Um, so, decent addition overall. Uh, there's a, a Kimber Warrior 1911. Realistically, 1911s, um, unless your crazy uncle is the one who's just suggesting what gun to get for home defense because uh, John Moses Browning designed it the way God intended. May he rest in, in peace. Um, 45, 1911, uh, fun target guns. I respect the design and what it did 
but it is archaic. It's over 100 years old. You get a 45 with seven rounds. And knowing if it's Kimber, it may jam. Um, I know two people with Kimbers. They love theirs. Uh, but I've just heard a lot of interesting reputations about Kimbers recently. So another interesting one for rich guy to own. Now, the next gun I'm going to talk about is the Ruger 95. The P95... I am shocked that this made it into a movie. I love these guns. So in the craze of 80s going into the 90s, you had the, the Wonder 9s where you had, I'm going to use, I'm doing finger quotes right now, high capacity 9mm, um, looking at like 15 rounds, and sometimes polymer, um, double stack mags. Uh, so you had like the Rugers, the Berettas, the Sigs, Smith & Wessons, were all coming out with their Wonder 9s. Um, the P95 is a clunky gun, not the most refined, but they're known to just run and run and run. I've shot a couple. I really like them. Again, they're not refined. You're not going to pick one up and think that you're shooting a Breda. You're not going to pick one up and think you're shooting a CZ75, look at the polished trigger, but they do work. So th this is one of Ethan, Ethan Hawke's guns and he gives it to his wife and she uses it. And I remember seeing the movie be like, is that a Ruger? They put one of those in there because it's not—it's not a normal hero gun. It doesn't have the um, screen presence that some of the other guns that you that we'll even talk about. But like you know, your Berettas that everybody kind of sees from action movies, or even a Glock. Um, a cool thing about the the P ninety five, what I will say is, Ruger before they discontinued it a couple years ago, were advertising that the military bought five procured five thousand of them for military contracts, and were trying to push it as a military gun. From what I understand, it was the armor division bought them, and they also bought a bunch of Sig Sig Pros or Sig Twenty Twenty Twos, budget oriented hammer fired guns in nine millimeter. I'm ninety five percent sure that the five thousand Sigs and the five thousand Rugers weren't procured for armed services; they were procured to give to Iraqi police, uh, and that's just kind of how they did it. So it's just funny that Ruger was using it as an advertisement, but in reality, I, I think. It was just buying it for somebody else says like budget guns just to be like we have to give them something. Uh, so that's Ruger P ninety five. Big fan, big fan of it. Even if it isn't the most refined. Uh, back to the six hour P two two six. I mentioned it in the last podcast, but P two two six. I would say four American shooters put Sig on the map for us in the competition in the eighties where it went uh, with other handguns, but basically went head-to-head -head with the Breda for, to get the contract for uh, the U.S. military sidearm. The Breda won. Some people say it was only because of budget reasons, because the Breda was cheaper, but the SIG was a better gun. Um, you know, that's, I, you can s dig through a lot of those um, documents. I, I still like the SIG, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick the Beretta. But great, great addition. Um, it's used by the, the, the family as well thrown in there and I'm not surprised because it's a very common gun and if we're talking about prop masters and stuff like that armor is they, they're going to have a bunch uh, Smith & Wesson 915 is in here which is again one of those other uh, wonder nines I, I'll be 100% honest and say that I hate Smith & Wesson's nomenclature on how they name their stuff both their revolvers and their pistols they are worse than Glock is as far as just throwing random numbers that don't mean anything allegedly now, if you look up, I think it's a Lucky Gunner has a whole 
list of stuff on the Smith and Wesson. I always call them the third gen, and that's anachronistic because there's obviously a first, second, and third gen on what their codes mean. I think, I think if it's three or four numbers, it's a third gen. So I, I can't remember if the nine fifteen is um, a single stack or a double stack. So it would be one of the wonder nines. Don't know. I would just say look it up. Regardless, they all kind of look the same, and they're supposed to be really good guns. I've never owned one, and I always have wanted one, but nowadays they discontinued them, um, I think going on over a decade now, and so they're they're just becoming more and more collectible, um, but again, overall good guns, wouldn't one that I wouldn't be worried about, about using in a dystopian future. Um, you see some Taurus PT-92s, Beretta 92s of different variations, um, the big difference between the Taurus and the PT-92 is Tauruses uh, are made in Brazil. It's a Brazilian company. Um, from what I understand of the history is Beretta used to make their Beretta 92 in Brazil, and then they decided to leave, so then Taurus came in and bought all their manufacturing, and the patents, I guess, expired, so they made their own version of the Beretta 92. I don't think parts really interchange too, too much with them, but they're like almost exactly the same looking. Um, the big difference with this is the Taurus uses a frame-mounted safety, so it's a little bit easier to hit your thumb, hit with your thumb. It's kind of 1911 style. I think you can use it cocked and locked, and also can't have a decocker. Where Beretta normally keeps theirs up on the slide, which some people have beef with because depending on how you rack the slide, you can hit the decocker or the safety or whatever. Um, for my money, I, I like Beretta more um, just because I think they have a little bit better reputation, even though the Taurus is can as a company have bad reputation but the 92s are supposed to have a good reputation so kind of the same gun and in movies they're used interchangeably because they're just so hard to tell the difference if just with a quick glance and a quick scene um a cool thing about the berettas and the tauruses is they use a different operating system how they work most modern handguns use um <laughs> going back to good old john moses browning um his recoil system with like a tilt barrel um that you see in in like the 1911 and the Browning High Powers, Glocks, pretty much all modern handguns use that except for a couple little exceptions. One of them is the Beretta and the Taurus. Um, uses like a locking block and the barrel just slightly shifts. I can't remember what it's, I think it's a drop locking block. I, I could be wrong. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's a different operating system. Allegedly, some people like it better for suppressors because it doesn't move as much. Some people don't. Some people say it's more reliable because the barrel doesn't move as much. Some people would say it's more reliable because it has an open slide. Um, some people say that it's less reliable, like with the military guns in the desert. I don't know. Um, fun fact also is based off of Walther. Um, P38 slash P1, where I had the same design. Um, those are pretty good shooting guns, too. But... I digress. Um, just like any movie, they have the Desert Eagle because why not? If you got to blow something up and you're feeling spicy, nothing raises pulses like a 50 cal Israeli handgun. Um, I won't go to, to this movie doesn't really focus on the Desert Eagle too much, so I won't go into it because I'm sure it'll come up with another movie. But it's kind of cool. They use an AR-15 style bolt, um, pretty similar to it, and it's just a beefcake design. It's a massive hand cannon. Um, Great movie presence, so it'll come up again in another movie. You got your Glocks. Not even get into those because, again, they're going to be used in so many movies. Obviously, everybody knows a Glock. If you heard ever a rap song, it's going to have Glock in it. Um, you know, hey, fella, I like those Glocks. You know, make sure you talk about them. Um, I, 
ergonomics of a two by four. I'll leave it at that. Uh, reliable, but ergonomics of a of a two by four. Another Taurus. I think Taurus must have paid money for this movie or something, um, because they definitely have a lot of presence in this. Uh, the one they have is a PT nine forty five. I'm also going to be 100% honest about Taurus handguns. They change their model numbers and series up so much from Millennium, Millennium, G2, this code, that code. They all kind of seem like the same gun. They use like very basic modern handgun designs and they just tweak it a little bit, change the number. Um, I've been tempted to buy them a couple times because they. I used to have an addiction to budget guns. I'm sure they work fine, you know, especially if you're not like trying to invade Normandy and kill the Nazis with it. Um, if you're just using it for home defense or some gentle range time, you're not putting a lot of rounds through. I don't see why it wouldn't be a, a decent gun. So it, it's in there. Uh, you have the Smith, Smith Wesson M&P 40, which just takes place in like the background of one of the scenes, which kind of was tried to get picked up by a lot of police uh, departments. So it makes sense that, you know, it's a police gun in the movie with 40 caliber. Um, insert any joke you want to about 40 small and weak for 40 Smith and Wesson. I don't know. 10 millimeters, the ultimate caliber. Um, uh, Walter PP kind of used in a cut scene. Glock's using cut scenes. Oh, here's a good one. Tech nine, not the rapper. Um, the gun nine millimeter submachine gun. I guess you could call it, um, Saturday night special, I guess. Stamp steel tube receiver style blowback. I think it's blowback. Um, submachine gun. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. Didn't research it. Don't really care to research it, even though I kind of want one. Um, I bet you if it's full auto, fires from an open bolt. Um, Semi-auto fires from a closed bolt. I'm sure I'll bring that up in another another podcast. It's just different way that you know these blowback style, cheaper design submachine guns kind of work. Um, not surprised you have a ghetto blaster in there, but kind of in the background, a uh, bunch of shotguns. So we talked about the Mossberg and there's a couple other Mossberg pumps in there. Um, realistically, when we're talking about your, your generic pump shotguns, especially in more modern stuff, you'll have your Remington 870, Mossberg 500, a tale as old as time, uh, for a debate. So, you know, pick your poison on that one. But one that I hold near and dear to my heart is the Ithaca 37. Uh, the Ithacas are pretty cool shotguns. They are pretty distinguishable from other shotguns because they don't have a hole on the side of the receiver, you know, for putting in rounds or ejecting rounds or anything like that. It loads and ejects from the bottom of the receiver. So it's like slab-sided receivers. Um, so whenever you pump it, it loads one up. And whenever you pump it, it drops one down, loads another one up on, you know, going back and then forward on the, on the slide. So pump action shotgun, but it it's supposed to be nice for like ambidextrous shooters um, because it's not kicking it out into your face or something if you're a lefty. Um, I have an Ithaca. I love it. I actually broke it because I was slam firing it. So what slam firing means is you hold the trigger down and you just pump it. And as you pump that... Um, the firing pin slams forward on that pump and sets off a round. Um, it's like the sear is slightly different, I guess, to where it's not, ha you don't have to reset that trigger. Um, I think I broke it doing that. It, normally that's a feature. Um, 
I don't know if they, if they count it as a feature or a flaw, a feature in like older shotguns. I, I want to say probably like 1920s and earlier, maybe maybe 1950s and earlier. I'm not sure, um, but still, Ithaca's pretty cool. And then everybody's favorite movie shotgun, the Spaz 12 from I guess Franchi, Franky, Frankie. Um, Frankie says relax. 12 gauge pump slash semi-automatic shotgun. Um, I think every movie has used it, and I truly think the only people worthy of using the Spaz 12 shotgun is going to be Terminator and Jurassic Park. And in this movie, they did not say Clever Girl when they had it, and it makes me mad. But again, you can't have an action movie without a Spaz 12 or a video game without that in it. Um, somebody does have a H&K MP5K, you know, your infamous, and I don't want to say infamous, famous, Heckler & Coke MP5, it's the short stubby version, uh, pretty popular because it has the little dongle um, vertical foregrip, uh, roller delayed blowback, supposed to make it pretty nice, uh, it's it's on the to want list, um, but you know, technology's been around since the 60s and still relevant today, so you can't complain there, um, M16 style AR15, the, the, the full 20 inch Full 20-inch long boy, great for target shooting and fighting a, a war out in the open, but the Purge movie takes place inside, so probably not one that I would want to really pick for being inside the house, but I'm sure some army, or I should say marine vets who cleared you know houses in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan with it would maybe agree, but I'll say, hey, I did it. Uh, here's an interesting one. Light machine gun, Daimako, Daimako, I, I don't know how to say it. Uh, I clicked on it to just kind of see it, research it a little bit and see what's going on. I, I guess it's a Colt Canada light machine gun based off the M16 slash AR-15. Just by looking at the handguards on it, I thought it was going to be Korean, like a Daewoo, but it's not. Um, but Colt Canada normally turns out some pretty decent stuff. Also saying that since Colt's been bankrupt like nine bajillion times, uh, Colt Canada's, I think, the only profitable branch of Colt. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, an Imbel rifle, which I don't know a lot about them. I think it's an FN, FAL clone. I think it's made in Brazil. Um, so I guess kind of a budget Walmart version of the FN, FNC. Uh, five five six assault style rifle, uh, piston operated. Probably pretty decent. Um, again, Brazilian made, so maybe not as quality. But I, I Imbil's pretty uh, popular firearms maker. So those are the big guns that they they use in the movie. Like I said, really shotgun heavy, really pistol heavy. Um, with two truly hero guns being the the big boy revolver, the Taurus. And um, the, <laughs> the Chainsaw Mossberg. So let's get into Act 3, since I've been rambling on for quite a bit. What guns would I choose? Now let's let's be honest here when it comes to the Purge. Um, I would like to think I'm a decent human being, so I wouldn't participate in the Purge as far as I'd be going out and seeking trouble. Um realistically, if I'm going to be in the purge, I'm going to be locked up in my own house defending my castle. Or, like some of the other movies, somehow unfortunate events cause me to get locked out 
and I have to run for my life. Um, I, don't, I can't see myself being like, you know what, I could really go for some murder right now and then get a burger afterwards. Um, murder burger, you know, always hits the spot. So, really, we're kind of talking about home defense here. We're kind of talking about home defense, not the a random meth head who's like, oh, that house looks like a you know, good one to break into. Um, we're talking about someone you know, purposely with a group deciding to break in and raid, raid a home. So maybe going against multiple people, maybe a little bit of body armor, or they also have decent guns, you know. Um, and if we're talking about getting stuck out in the open on purge night, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to run. You're going to have to hide. you got to be nimble. So I'll kind of break it down into those two things, like home defense and being on my feet. So if it were me, and I were in this movie, so let's talk about, you know, say I'm Ethan Hawke, which, man, I'm so much better looking than him, that's a downgrade. No, I'm kidding. Um, if I were Ethan Hawke, what would I use? Um, it would be tempting to use his uh, 454 revolver just because it's like one, uh, hopefully one shot drops if somebody comes in and let's be honest you you pull out that big boy and you take a big blast at someone his buddies may decide eh, this might not be worth it i don't know if you guys have ever shot a massive snub nose big bore revolver but it you feel it in your chest having said that i have shot snub nose 454 casole revolvers it, granted not compensated like the taurus and i couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with them because i flinched so bad and i'd like to think i'm a decent shot so I would probably cancel on that one. Maybe, maybe keep it on a chest holster like I was in Bear Country just as a backup to raise some pulses. But I'm probably going to go with one of my... Oh, man, should I just go with the Ruger? Why not? P95? Um, bone on a budget, yo. Probably going to go with one that I'm familiar with. I'm going to go with the Breda 92 as my handgun just because... I'm used to it. I shoot them well. I think they're great guns. I think they're reliable. I know there was issues with the military ones, but they also had like a bajillion rounds and, you know, Marines were snacking on them with crayons and stuff. Um, so, I, sidearm, Breda 92, if I'm picking movie guns, primary arm, I'm going to go with the Ithaca because I, I have an Ithaca and I like it. And I think they run pretty good overall. And, and the one in the movie had the big old eight-shot tube. So eight rounds of buckshot in my house, uh, as Clint Smith says. You know, what does he say? Pistols put holes in people. Rifles put holes through people. And a shotgun with the right load at the right distance will remove football-sized chunks out of people. So let's go with that. Um, and if I'm in my own house, why can't I have more? You know, it's not like I have to carry them around. So, oh man, if I had a choice of a light machine gun, um, I, I'd take that. You got a drum mag and you can just start dropping bodies with it if they're trying to take and harm you, take your life. Um, so let's go with that. 12 gauge shotgun. Any of them actually would do as long as they have the big boy tubes. Beretta 92 is back up and maybe the um, AR-15 M16 style light machine gun. Now, let's just say, for example, that I'm stuck out on the street and I need one of the movie guns and I'm taking that MP5K. 30 rounds, 9mm submachine gun, and it's a small package that I can just run around like a madman hiding for my life. That's that's what I would be picking there. Now, let's talk about if I, I could pick anything. 
Now, the, with this, the possibilities truly are endless because there's so many good options nowadays for home defense. Um, there's so many philosophies to take. And am I in this mansion of a house? Am I my, my house? Um, do I have a lot of neighbors? Do I not have a lot of neighbors? Do I care about my neighbors during the purge? I don't know. Um, the boring answer is going to be probably some sort of shorterish barrel AR-15. Um, maybe even get super spicy with a 300 blackout with a suppressor. Um, maybe with an AK-47 style rifle, even though the reloads are a little bit longer and rougher than, than with an AR. So if I'm going to take boring answer on things that civilians can easily get their hands on in commonplace, probably going to be some sort of AR-15. And that's the boring vanilla white bread um, answer. As far as a... A sidearm, you know, nine millimeter is pretty pretty good with modern bullets nowadays. But if we're talking about with people with armor, you know, somebody could make the argument for like an FN five seven or the Ruger five seven. I don't think the five seven in a handgun would help with armor. So I'm not really going to worry too much about armor with a with a sidearm. So nine millimeter, I've been really into the CZ P10 you know, series lately, whether it's the, the P10C, P10F. So let's go with that. Let's just take it easy route, because again, it, we're really talking about home defense. Um, 9mm there, honorable mention to, oh, this is going to raise some pulses, Springfield XDM and 45. I know people hate Springfield, they hate the XD or XD series. I know they're made in Croatia and they're not American. Uh, some boomer out there would be like, that's, a, that's an American gun. It's not. Um, I understand the weaknesses of them, but I, I shoot them well. So honorable mention to them because with some really, you know, 45 ACP plus P or 45 Super, you also can have a really spicy round with 13 rounds capacity. Um, so, yeah, I, AR-15 would be the lazy, boring answer. Now, if I'm running around on the street, one gun, give me a 10 millimeter handgun, you know. Um, I shoot Glocks decent. They're not. I don't shoot them great, but I'm not gonna be taking like headshots at 100 yards with it. So yeah, give me a 10 millimeter Glock with a couple mags, with some really really spicy rounds. Maybe some of those extreme penetrators or something like that that can you know put some damage in, in hard surfaces, whether it's armor or or car doors or something like that. And let me run around with that because again, I think running is gonna be more key than being in a firefight. So I'll take handgun only if I'm running, if I'm in my house, some sort of tricked out AR-15, whether it's 300 blackout, 5.56, maybe an AK-47. Um, I don't think I'd want a 308 battle rifle inside my house. Um, too much boom, obviously a shotgun would be good. If we're doing shotgun, I'm taking Benelli semi-auto because I know they run decent in semi-auto and then um, obviously semi-auto, you don't have to pump it, so... Boring answers on what I would take with this one because we're going against regular human bad guys, not monsters. Maybe body armor, maybe not. Maybe a bunch of them. So kind of have to pick the best of the hashtag tactical stuff. Um, so that's my take on the on the purge. Overall, brainless. If you turn your brain off, it's it's pretty good. If you try to think about it too much, you get. If you're cynical like me, you'll get frustrated with what you think it's trying to be. The gunplay is pretty ridiculous, very Hollywood. I don't think anybody really handled firearms well in it. Um, unless you mean they handled them realistically as somebody who isn't trained is just going to fire from the hip and 
point and shoot, not aim and, and panic and just start blasting, then maybe it is realistic there. Um, but, but we're not talking John Wick level of gunfighting going on here. And again, it's about appearances, so that's why you get some more absurd guns like, oh, my favorite, the Mossberg Chainsaw. So, as always, these opinions are mine, mine alone, and they are just the opinions of a guy on the internet. Um, I am Dr. Gary. I am a real doctor. I'm a real fake doctor. So, um, everyone, I hope you have a good day. Adios. And remember, here on them Internet's podcast, we are practicing our first amendment to practice our second amendment. So, this is the Internet Movie Firearms Podcast, signing off. Have a wonderful, wonderful night.